The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 40. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. This week's episode, Donnie Salvo returns to the show as he and I just have some comics talk. We answer some questions from fans of the PKD Black Box, and also we answer a ton of questions from everybody's favorite podcaster, Daryl Taylor. Um, small talk in between, just nice little conversation, just a good time. Hope you enjoy the show. Also, just to let you know, um, ever since we announced the Action Lab Entertainment Presents Fracture Kickstarter project, as of this moment, we are 31% funded with 52 days left as of this recording. Uh, we're trying to raise $3,600 to print, publish, and solicit our first direct market comic book next year called Fracture. Um, I've mentioned this in episode 39 of the PKD Black Box. Um, I am the president of Action Lab Entertainment. Yes, I'm still doing my thing on the side with PKD Media, but my goal is to help us raise $3,600 to have our comic book Fracture, printed, published, and solicited by um, January 14th, 2011. So we have to raise $3,600 by January the 11th, or it's not going to happen. So if you go to kickstarter.com and the search header type Action Lab or Fracture, you'll see our project. You can click on it. It has a little video tells you what Fracture is all about, as well as um, donations start as low as $1 uh, for $10 or more. You can receive rewards such as uh, Action Lab Entertainment buttons, paintings, original artwork, sketches, all types of stuff. So if you get a moment and if you're interested in supporting what Action Lab is trying to do, go to kickstarter.com and the search header type Action Lab or Fracture. Or you can go to our website, actionlabcomics.com, to learn more about Action Lab Entertainment. So... There you have it. And also, I wanted to wish all of our listeners a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy it. Eat some turkey for me and some cranberry sauce and all that other fly stuff. But seriously, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Peace. How many Twitter questions do you have, sir? I have a few. As a matter of fact, you know what? Let's uh, break down to the listeners what's going on. We asked our our listeners to drop us questions via the Twitter and uh, via Facebook, and we you know we said we'd do a Q and A. So whatever they asked, uh, we would answer. And Grant, I probably should have put a cap on that because after I have to read half of Daryl's questions, uh, <laughs> that might change. But anyway, no, we. Have- I, I think we should do Daryl's just to get him out of the way. <laughs> okay well we got questions on twitter we're, we're going to go through the twitter questions first the facebook questions second and then we'll then we'll do all daryl's okay because daryl's will be the big build-up so uh so yeah so that's how that's how we'll do it so yes we'll go twitter facebook and then daryl taylor um okay the, 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 the man got his of own a, category yes yes he does <laughs> the first one is from matt burden <laughs> It's gonna be a three-hour show because we have to we have to weed through the Daryl question. <laughs> um, Matt wants to know: in a knife fight, who would win between Cartoon Rambo or Cartoon Chuck Norris or my rabbit? 
Cartoon Rambo, right? Yeah, Cartoon Rambo, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, because Cartoon Rambo is way nicer than real Rambo. Yes. Cartoon Chuck Norris I just have, seems to be Chuck Norris. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have to go with uh, Cartoon Chuck Norris as well because he swam with the deadly dolphins. I will go. I'm going with his rabbit. <laughs> I'm going. I'm still going with Cartoon Chuck Norris because Cartoon Chuck Norris will throw the bunny rabbit at a gas station and the gas station will explode. No, no, no. Because I've seen uh, the Holy Grail, ah. and I've seen what English rabbits can do. <laughs> They're wicked, pointy teeth, fangs. Even Zach Cruzy uh, has co-signed on this. He says he also chooses Cartoon Chuck Norris. Because he has that sweet team of teenagers to help him fight his battles. So did Rambo. Rambo didn't have no teenagers. He had he had one black dude and a white lady. You, you, I thought he did have a. No, oh no, that was Mr. T. That was Mr. T and the T Force. With that, I hand. think Mr. T and the T Force kick all their asses, but that wasn't part of the question. Mr. T punched a shark. <laughs> Mr. T, Mr. T had a, had a bulldog with a mohawk. <laughs> You know, that reminds me that one day I have to get to that, that pilot episode of Mr. T and the T-Force. I got to talk to you about sure that. You damn sure do. Well, we'll get to that later. Okay. Okay. Sorry. All right. No, it's okay. That's all right. Back on course. So we've answered Matt's question. We'll go ahead and we'll kick it to you. It's never over. <laughs> Dean Stahl asks us, Jim Kelly or Shaft, who would make the best G.I. Joe and what code name would you give, give him? Okay. I, I got to go with Shaft. As, mm-hmm. as much as I like Jim Kelly, and for those and for those that don't know, I'm not talking about the Buffalo Bills quarterback. I'm talking about the brother that was in Enter the Dragon, and he was also Black Belt Jones. Um, but Kick I him ha- in the belly like I was Jim Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> See, you ain't right. Um, what? N- no. What's wrong with some Big Daddy Kane? You never want you never want to do anything with Big Daddy Kane, man. I know. I never said that. You know I love Big Daddy Kane. Come on now. Come on. He, he's in a movie. Uh, which movie? Dead Heist. Yes. We'll talk about that later. It's on my Netflix queue, so don't spoil it. I'm not. We'll, t- we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> we got a lot to do later. Go yes. ahead. Um, no. I would vote Shaft. Um, I'd have to vote Shaft because Shaft is just the ultimate badass. I think he would make the best G.I. Joe member because, you know, he's going to be able to talk talk with Duke. He's going to be able to, like, you know, talk with Stalker and, and also facilitate and, and get down to action. Plus, he doesn't mind busting the cap either. Whether it be red laser or blue laser, he'll just pick up a gun and shoot somebody. Uh, Shav's code name will be Blackout. Oh, you put thought into this. Or 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 Black Back because the black is back. So John Shaft would be my GI Joe member. Now, oh, see, mine would be Jim Kelly. All right. I would call him. Uh, his code name would be Blinja. <laughs> and he would wear he would wear no shoes, and he would be partnered up with. Uh, quick kick and they would just fight Cobra with no shoes <laughs> would there be special appearances from Big Lob maybe Big Lob <laughs> makes his move <laughs> Big Lob shoots sorry I to this day that still it makes me laugh cry and hurt myself at the same time seeing that seeing Big Lob but that's my homie alright <laughs> I have a question from uh, Keith Knutson he asks us who is your favorite Green Lantern Donnie I'll kick it to you Okay, I have two answers. Okay. Traditionally, it would be Alan Scott because of the legacy, and I'm big into the DC Earth 2 stuff when I was a kid. But I have to kick it to Guy Gardner. 
If you're talking like Green Lanterns from Green Lantern Corps, Guy Gardner. In a New York minute. Okay. All right. Because that dude was just, in the Bwahaha age, he was just such a dick. And then he was such a pussy. And then he was right back to being a dick. <laughs> and now he's just, he's like, he still is a really cool character. I mean, if you forget all that Guy Gardner warrior stuff, that never happened as far as I'm concerned. I like a lot of that Guy Gardner warrior stuff, man. I, I do. Bo Smith was involved in a lot of that. Not, not, I'm not saying all of it is great. But yes, and it is silly. But I like it, though. No, that's actually a, that's a good answer. My favorite Green Lantern to this day is still Jon Stewart. And the reason why is because when I first really started reading, reading Green Lantern, yeah, I saw how Jordan challenged the Super Friends. And that was cool. You know, he, he, he would get me hyped. That, that's my homie. But when I started reading Green Lantern in comics, the first real Green Lantern in comics I read were the Green Lantern Corps. And so I got an influx of Jon Stewart in the Green Lantern Corps. And then I went back and I read the older Green Lantern books with Hal Jordan and like some of the Neil Adams stuff with, with Green Lantern and Green Arrow. And, and, um, and that was cool, but, but Jon Stewart always stuck with me. Through all did, the, didn't Neil, Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill, didn't they do the first appearance of uh, Jon Stewart? I, I think so. That character's really always had some you know, resonance with me. Is he's, always, he's always been there with me. And then when they made him the Green Lantern on Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, even though a lot of fanboys bitched because they were like, oh, this is just an affirmative action move, I, I, I thought the character was awesome. He was one of the most developed characters in that series because he was the character that Warner Brothers said, we don't give a fuck about him. Just don't do this to Superman. Don't do this to Wonder Woman. Don't do this to Batman. So what that means is we can write out and flesh out Jon Stewart's character as much as we want because there are no restrictions and no limitations. And I thought that was fantastic. So this is why Jon That's one, you know, one of the many reasons why Jon Stewart has always been my favorite Green Lantern. Number two is Kyle Rayner with the crab mask. That crab mask is awesome, and I don't give a damn what anybody else says about that crab mask. But crab well, mask, so yeah. Yeah, I remember my first introduction to John Stewart was he was in in uh, I think it was a JL, JLA annual number one. He was the Green Lantern on the JLA, and I was all kinds of confused <laughs> because in the cartoon he was a white guy, and then you know what I mean. But the one thing I hate, the look I hated for John Stewart when when he had half the afro and that. Big ass Green Lantern mask on his face, dude. Yeah, I will agree with you on that. What um, Joe Staten was doing the artwork during that time, right? Him and um, Dave Gibbons, actually. Okay, I think it's like one ninety one is the cover that really. I just remember seeing that, and I'm like, that mask just looks stupid. <laughs> it, it just does, and he and he took off the mask. He listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks way cooler without the mask for sure. And like with uh, Justice League Unlimited, when he's Green Lantern, he has the green eyes. Mm-hmm. So that was, I, I thought that was cool too. So yeah, definitely. Got another question from uh, from Keith. Uh, Keith wants to know if uh, we could live in any TV show's home. <gasps> where would you live? I want to say different strokes because of the penthouse. Okay, in the middle of Manhattan, that's tight. <laughs> but. Silver Spoons. Why you still my answer? Why had, you still my answer? Had the train in the living room that went through the whole house mm -hmm. and and Aaron Gray's ass. <laughs> so 
if you could combine the two, I'll have different silver spoon strokes house. <laughs> no, I, I vote silver spoons basically because of the of the, uh, of the train set that went around the house that they, that they could ride on. And didn't he also have like a little arcade or something like that in his house too? He had everything everywhere. His father was like a little kid. Yeah. That's Imagine the, the comic collection I would have. Oh, that collection would be insane. That would be the, the TV house that I would want to live in for sure. Wow, I didn't think you would pop out with the silver spoon. Hey, man, here we are, face to face, a couple of silver spoons. And then, stop that. Two of and a then kind, we could, I said, to stop find. it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. And dig this, right? Right. If we combine the two, then we could have Jason Bateman and Dudley come over. That that would be like that would be sitcom greatness. And uh, wasn't was his name from um, Silver Spoons? Alfonso Ribeiro. Yes, Carlton. Yes, and he would oh. have he would have on the Michael Jackson Thriller jacket. That would be our crew right there. Yeah, we roll deep. Dudley Carlton and Jason Bateman. <laughs> you can't remember his character's name. Back not in a million years. Same here. <laughs> he was the jerk. Yes, that's all I remember. All right, we have uh, exhausted our Twitter questions unless you have any more on your side. No, I'm good. All right, we shall now move on to the Facebooks. I'm going to go ahead and let you go first. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it's all Daryl. <laughs> I had nine comments, and eight of them are Daryl. <laughs> and one question is from Lori, and it has to do with Daryl. Okay, well, I'll tell you and what. Okay. My ex-girlfriend asks, is your Schwartz as big as mine? <laughs> and that's coming from my ex-girlfriend, Stephanie. I dated her for like three months in high school. And to be honest with you, it's been a long time, Stephanie, since I've seen your Schwartz. And uh, I don't remember. So there you go. Oh. Probably, Probably yes. Probably no. Do you want Lori's question? Yes, Lori's question would be fantastic, yes. What is it like to have to deal with the Devo Daryl all the time, and do you talk to him via his agent? <laughs> Which is Lori Thomas of the Comic Book Roadshow podcast. Yes. Um, I don't know how I deal with Daryl. It it's a day-to-day -day process. Lori, if that's your client, you, you need another client. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and this is Daryl from the uh, Nothing's On podcast that he does with Donnie, as well as Comic Book Road Show. No apologies. Uh, you'll see him guest starring on 465 other podcasts as well. This man is everywhere. So Everywhere. Yes, he is absolutely everywhere. He's actually even been on, on, on an episode of the PKD Black Box uh, for the 80s uh, action explosion extravaganza. So, and someday I have a feeling he might be on the 90s one. Oh, well. yeah, it's coming eventually. It's just going to take me 3 years to edit. But um and and I heard that you have to give him skittles, but they have to be all the red skittles before you guys do a podcast together. He gets shit and he likes it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, well, here we go. Uh, one of my friends, uh Christiana Jones, uh asks that why haven't I seen you guys? And that's referring to me and to me and my wife. Why haven't I seen you guys since your wedding? She's like, oh, not that kind of question. For you know, for a lot of my friends know that once my wife and I got married, we moved down to Kentucky, and all my friend, a lot majority of my friends live in Ohio. So I haven't been really been able to have the time to go see them and and doing you know the comic book thing and making comics, doing podcasting, trying to establish my own niche and my own career. Um, on top of a nine to five job and a marriage is just it's really consuming. And I love doing this. I'll be honest with you. I probably this is probably the most expressive I've ever been as an individual in my entire life. And I've really been doing 
a lot of the things that I swore I was going to do a decade ago. And they're actually happening now. So, and that's one of the main reasons why a lot of my friends outside of the comic book world haven't seen me. Because I, this, this dream of mine, I'm trying to make a reality. Sorry now, and I'm sorry that I haven't been able to keep in touch with a lot of my friends as much as I would like to. But I want them all to understand it's not because, like, you know, I don't like y'all anymore. I still love y'all. You know, y'all my family. But this is something that I just really want. And, you know, and I have a lot to prove to myself and I want to prove that I can, you know, that I can accomplish this goal and be that person that I've been wanting to be since, you know, it's like I said, since forever. How long? I'm still learning a little bit about myself, too. But anyway, that's why a lot of people haven't heard from me. Doesn't mean I don't love y'all. Miss you. Miss you all. So there you go. This question is from Chris Campbell. If you could have a company launch a new ongoing comic series based on an 80s TV show or movie, what would it be? Something that isn't already out there. And Chris says that his would be an IDW relaunch of Last Starfighter. Just saying. That's actually oh, wow. pretty, that's actually pretty be- cool because I, I would have used that for my answer, but go ahead. Okay, it was an 80s cartoon. Can I go that route? Yeah, that's fine. Think? That, that, I, I'll, I'll let that slide, yes, because it's on television. I would love for idw to do a godzilla series like the old school marvel one and i say idw because they really know how to take care of their franchises for the most part you know uh the only idw book that i haven't cared for with licensed properties is ghostbusters because the covers are beautiful but the interiors are real inconsistent yeah but they're they only did a mini series and a few one shots right yeah yeah it's just it's one of those things where because like i'm such a ghostbusters fan if it's not on point I, I, I can't co-sign. I got you. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to do something that nobody would ever do. Nobody. Oh I, boy. Don't don't do that. Don't <laughs> why 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 do you, why do you hurt me like that, man? Why do you do? Because that? there might be a reason why people haven't done it. I'm doing a Matt Houston comic book. Action, adventure, mystery comic book. Matt Houston. Matt Houston was ABC's Magnum PI, but he was With based the, he was yeah. based out of Texas. And he had this like blue big ass Cadillac that could jump over police cars and not get a scratch. He was like essentially the Texas Magnum PI. Then I would go get the licensing rights from CBS to do Magnum PI, and I would have a Magnum PI Matt Houston team up with a special appearance by Buddy Epson. He's dead, dude. I can still put him in the comic book. I just have to. I just have to get the rights from the family. I just have to talk to the Buddy Epson estate, and boom, put him in there because Buddy Epson played uh, Matt Houston's uncle. Did he really? Yeah, and, and yeah, in the show, yeah, Buddy Epson was in the show, yeah, yeah. I just remember the hot chick from um, Battle, um, Buck Rogers, uh, Pamela Hemsley, or something like that. Yes. Look at you, just throwing all the Come the, the knowledge. Come on, son. <laughs> I remember the opening credits for Matt Houston. I remember those names. Sing the song. No, there, no, there was no singing. It was just all instrumental, and I and I can't that I can't remember. Hum it. I can't. No, I can't remember. I don't know what that is. But no, in all, in, in seriousness, I would do a Matt Houston comic book. Yes, I know only two hundred people would buy it. You think that many? You know what, man? I really can't deal with you right now. I really can't deal with you right now. But seeing, seeing that, no, I'm, I'm just playing with you, man. I'm playing. Okay. With you. In all seriousness, I know nobody would, would do a Matt Houston comic book, so I will say this: I would do a Mask Mobile Armor Strike Command comic. Me writing it, Jamal Eigel doing the pencils and inks, and it would be fantabulous. Wow. So that's what that's what I would seriously do because I know nobody would ever want a Matt Houston comic book, but um, I would. I think it would be awesome. All right. Nice. Moving on. We're nowhere near the Daryl Taylor section of the show yet. We have a question from Lucas King. Lucas King of the Handicast podcast. 
pop culture yes. podcast. Yes. Lucas says, cast your own version of the JLA movie and give a rough sketch of the plot. He done went deep. Yeah, he did. So I tell you what, while you think of yours, I'm going to go ahead and spit mine out because I got it already ready in my head. Damn. Now, by cast, I'm not saying you have to know actors, you, that you have to know actors, just like what superheroes would you want in the film. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to tell you. The JLA would be, would consist of five, would consist of six members in the movie. Soups, and pretty much all big, all big guns. Soups, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Flash. I got to bust out with a, with a piece of paper on this one. Go ahead. Now, I know I can't have John Stewart, Green Lantern. Um, Why not? It's your movie. No, I know it's my movie, but still, I'm I'm going by. Oh, it is my own movie. Well, damn it, I'm having John Stewart, Green Lantern, then. So yeah, so there we go. That's 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 the crew. They're going to fight Doomsday, and Superman's going to die at the end of the movie, which, regardless of whether the movie succeeds or not, and I think it would be a success. There would be a sequel where Superman gets resurrected, and not only that, you would also get a slew of cameos from other superheroes. And I think that you could sell the Doomsday fight a lot better with Bats, Soups, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Flash than you could in the comic where when Doom, when the whole Doomsday thing was going down, it was Soups, Blood Wind, Fire, Ice, Blue Beetle, Booster, and Guy Gardner. I think it's more sellable if you go with the big guns because Doomsday comes off as a character, for at least for the film, could come off as a character that is just tough to take down. So... I, I would do that. That's what I, that's what I would do. And I know Warner Brothers has been trying to incorporate Doomsday into a film for for decades, and it's just never worked out right. But I think nowadays, if you put the right director on it, I think it'll work out great. That's what I would do. That that would be my movie. I would have JLA fight Doomsday, and I would use like I said, the five core members, a lot of action, a lot of adventure. So yeah, that's what I would do. Hmm. I would use the original seven and with a CGI Martian Manhunter, All voiced right. voiced by Patrick Stewart. Hmm. It'll work. Trust me. Okay, okay, okay. I'm listening. Uh, it's just see, it's, see, it's, it's hard for me to take because I'm a big fan of Carl Lum, uh, Lumbly and uh, his uh, Martian Manhunter that he did on the uh, cartoon, the JL, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon in Justice League. So, um, real big fan of his voice. He does, he's a great voice actor. He's a really good actor too. But um, I think I, I could work with Patrick Stewart. Yes, I, I can work with that. Please continue. I would, I would keep uh, Christian Bale as Batman. Okay. I, I would I would get him some 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 mouthwash first so he could gargle his throat so he won't sound like he's sucking on razor blades. But I I would keep him. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of Ryan Reynolds as the Flash. I mean, uh, of Green Lantern. I'm sorry, the Flash. I would get this dude. Actually, you know who I think would be really good as the Flash would be Neil Patrick Harris. Okay. Yep. I can see I that. Go with that. I'm gonna go with that. Superman and Aquaman. Superman. I, Superman's I, rough, man. I would say John Hamm is Superman. Flat out. There's there's nothing wrong with a dude in his 30s playing Superman. I would go with John Hamm. And if I can't have John Hamm, fuck it, go get Tom Welling. Yeah, I could I could sign on to Tom Welling Why, because because he's got recognition as the character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I'm gonna I'm gonna make Shia LaBeouf Aquaman because maybe there's a chance he'll drown. <laughs> okay. Wonder Woman is rough to cast because she's got a I don't know how how tall. Yeah, I don't know if she's got the acting chops, but I know she could do the action with be Elijah Dusku. Oh, but of course. Yes, that gets a cosign. All right, so we'll jump on that. We'll do the classic Starro taking over the Earth. I, I picture the scene, Avengers versus the JLA, mm. where Starro is in the Marvel Universe, but we'll just swap it out. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And he's over in Manhattan, and he's just shooting them little starfish on all the crowd's heads. Everybody's just asshole crazy. <laughs> 
Sestaro the Conqueror. Okay, Staro. All right, that's cool. And, I, yeah. and I'd hand it over to Spielberg because he has an excellent... He, he knows exactly what to do with, with on-location shooting, and he knows when to use CGI, and he knows when to use special effects, whereas if I would give it to someone, say, like Lucas, everybody would be CGI. Mm, no, okay. Point well taken. If that's the case... I would like to use uh, Erwin Kirshner to uh, direct my Justice League movie because uh, basically from The Empire Strikes Back alone, he was able to get the best performances out of all those actors in that movie and turn what just could have been a standard camp sci-fi fantasy sequel into one of my favorite movies of all time. He pulled emotion out of those characters. That's a, that's a fanboy dream right there because that would never, ever happen. So, But yeah. I dig it. I do like I do like your uh, Starro thing. I think that would be cool. And see, and you, unlike an executive, wouldn't freak out over Starro and just turn Starro into a cloud. So, uh, so. <laughs> this question's from Daniel Carhunen, you know, loyal fan of the show. He wants to know. And you're not a fan of masks, so I won't even. This this question doesn't even relate to you because I know you don't like the mobile Ar- armor strike command, and that's all right. I, I don't. It's all right. I love you anyway, man. You my homie. Thank you. You're I welcome. appreciate. It. On which masks and vehicles were the coolest on the mask show? I still got to go with Spectrum. Well, that and that was the, the the red and gray mask that Matt Tracker had with the Thunderhawk, the red Camaro, and the doors like flipped up. And the Cam- and the Camaro could fly. That is. Oh, my, I remember that car. That is my favorite of all time. People know this from episode thirty-eight, the massive twenty-five-hour episode that we did. I'm sorry, it's just only it's only four hours. But anyway, um, that is my favorite mass vehicle ever. You can't tell me nothing. That is my favorite. So um, I'll sign on to that because that's the only one I kind of remember. Okay. <laughs> um, that and Raven. Raven was a I like that one too. Raven was a darker car. The front, the front, the front side of the car would flip over, and it could be a boat or a flying vehicle. So those are my those are my personal favorites. Okay. Question. Another question from Chris Campbell. Favorite childhood candy that you can't seem to find anymore? Reggie bars. What's a Reggie bar? <gasps> It was named after Reggie Jackson, man, after he hit those, uh, what was it, three home runs in the, in the single World Series game, 1977. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And it was it was like, uh, it was caramel. It was caramel, nuts, and chocolate all put together. It was delicious. Yeah, and th- th- those, didn't, those didn't come around my neighborhood. You know what I want? I want the original dipping Sticks. They still make those. No, dude, they don't make them like they used to. No, 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 no. Okay, let me rewind that. Let me rewind that. You know what I want back? I want back the original Laffy Taffy. Oh, the big-ass one? Yes. Like, the Laffy Taffy bars that were literally 12 inches long in a big-ass plastic package. They had about three or four flavors, and you could, you could eat that in, like, five days. Now it's just these little mini candies. There's no taffy to it. The shit's hard as a rock, and it will pull out your teeth. That's what I want. And if I can't have that, give me some Jungle Jollies green apple candy. That's what I want. There you go. That, that, and he said that with heart. Yes, because when I was a kid over at my grandma's house, and see, this was back in the day when you could basically run a business out of your own house and didn't nobody say nothing. Over at my grandma's house, when I, when I was at my grandma's house, me and my relatives, we would walk down the street and around the corner, and there was this one house that sold candy in their basement. And so you could get like Lemonheads, Alexander the Grapes, Johnny Appleseeds, 
all like all these candies, you know, all types of candies, and we used to just like stock up on them. You know, and they still make those candies, but not like they used to. And one of the candies I used to get were called Jungle Jollies, and they were these uh, apple candies, and they were really tasty. So we got Reggie Bars, Original Laffy Taffy, and Jungle Jollies. So there we go. And I would drink some Knee High um, Peach Pop. Jolt Cola. Oh, God, no. Dude, that was like banned in our neighborhood. <laughs> I'm for real. Like our, like all all of our local schools like banned, j- banned Jolt Cola. I remember our day camp banned Jolt Cola. It was so funny. Wow. Yeah. Dude, it was crazy. This is how crazy it was. It, um, it was like moonshine, okay? It was like the equivalent of moonshine. And what they would do at band camp, not band camp, but day camp. This one time at band camp? I know I should have never said that shit. But one time, see, now I'm seeing, I almost said one time at band camp. Damn it. No. Band camp? Stop it. Um, band camp. Stop it. <laughs> band camp. <laughs> um, and there was a time in day camp we would have the uh, sleepovers on Thursday. And, you know, everybody would get to, we camp out on a Thursday night, wake up next morning, and do all this stuff, whatever. Anyway, kids would sneak in Joke Cola, but they would put it in two-liter Coca-Cola bottles. So then they would be running around, like, hyperactive all night. That's how crazy it was back then. Following question is from John Davis. Uh, and I want to also thank John Davis once again for hooking a brother up with the, Prince, uh, with the uh, Big Daddy Kane Prince of Darkness CD. <laughs> yes, he did. I got it. You do not know how much I enjoy this CD and listen to it because I forgot the production on the CDs off the hook because some of the little, some of the sampling that they do on this CD was fantastic and Big Daddy Kane's rhymes were just awesome. But there's mm-hmm. you all right, man? The Prince of Darkness ready to spark this just like a vampire bloodthirsty. Uh, have mercy. <laughs> I shouldn't have got you started. Oh, but fuck you. Bastard. I, you know what? I'll get you a copy of it. Because you it know is, you're going to get me a copy. I'll meet you halfway. I'll start driving now. But anyway, there's a song on the Prince of Darkness CD that has it's Big Daddy Kane and it is also it co-features Little Daddy Shane. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is, is that when the song starts off, because first off, I'm laughing because the other dude's name is Little Daddy Shane. I'm, I'm sure Warner Brothers was like, this will be a spinoff from Big Daddy Kane. We can make this work. And I was looking at that name. I'm like, first off, that's an awful name to have. Because Big Daddy Kane just stands out. You know, that's Big Daddy Kane, one of the legends of hip-hop, Little Daddy Shane. But what's funny is at the beginning of the song, when the beat comes on, Big Daddy Kane's like, it's the Big Daddy Kane with the Little Daddy Shane. And I'm like, <laughs> I, 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 I can't co-sign on this song. But the beat was smooth, so I'm like, I'm just going to let this pass. I'm just going to let it pass because the beat is smooth. But I'll get you a copy of the Prince of Darkness CD. Don't worry about that. But anyway, um, John asks... What was the last comic you read that made you go, oh, hell no? Well, how about, do you know, do you have an answer? Yes, that issue of The Outsiders with, oh, no. um, why you gotta go there? With, go cool, ahead. with cool Modi Eradicator with the big cool Modi <laughs> shades, talking about Markova is a safe haven for, uh, for Kryptonians, and then he pulls an Obi Wan Kenobi and says that he's just felt the death of millions of Kryptonians. I threw that issue across the room. I was like, oh, hell no, and I threw it. And I don't throw my comic books, okay, because I'm anal retentive. I threw that one twice. I'd have to say recently, yeah, it's got to be Rise and Fall of Arsenal number three, dude. I'm sorry. They When they took it, they killed his daughter. They took his arm, and then he <laughs> then he had erectile dysfunction. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. What, what else are you going to do to this dude, man? 
then he got him hooked on on the heroin again, and he's beating uh, crackheads with a dead cat. <laughs> pro- JT Crew got problems, dude. Yeah, that man. came out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was working on some demons right there. Right now, I have to say it's that one. Nothing's really affected me since that book. Yeah, you know where I had to get. As wow. as a kid, I remember getting upset during like the trial of Hank Pym in the Avengers. <laughs> Cause I'm like everybody, you know, they just kept messing with Hank, and I'm like, Egghead's responsible for all of this. He's responsible. They didn't know that. But I would get mad because, you know, because as a child, you don't know any better, and you're just like, how come I'm the only one that sees this, Cap? You're supposed to be smart. Come on, y'all got vision. Come on, somebody has to know has to know this. Oh, I was getting so heated. So and Thor, heated. Thor was all, thou art a wife, Petereth. <laughs> Thou art need counselingeth. <laughs> and Iron Man's like, yeah, you're on trial, and I'm banging her. <laughs> and I'm tipsy. That's the way he was, too. Hey, my Iron Man armor's got roller skates. I don't think it did then, did it? Oh. Those were gone. Yo, no, no, no. I think he kept them He kept them up until the early 80s. Oh, right, because I remember uh, Rhodey used them in uh, Secret Wars, didn't he? I think so, yeah. Oh, Lord. That's about as crazy as a spider buggy. <sighs> yes, roller, roller skate and Iron Man. Really, spider buggy was kind of fun. Roller yeah. skate and Iron Man is just ridiculous. You know you have repulsor jets on the bottom of your feet, right? Yeah. You could just fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and also with the spider buggy, you know, as a kid when you read that, it's like, oh, cool, because you know, we all knew that was just product placement, and it was only in one issue. But as a kid, it's like, Spider-Man got a spider buggy. Then you get older, it's like, yeah, he, can't, he can't keep no job. Daily Bugle don't pay him on time. Reed Richards ain't breaking off no Skrilla. The Avengers ain't giving him no money back then. You know, he loses his suit and Johnny Storm would give him a Fantastic Four outfit and he'd have to wear a bag and a sign says, kick me on the back. How can he sport a car? <laughs> you know. And plus, with Manhattan traffic, where's he really driving it? Exactly. You, man, it takes you an hour to get down a block. Tell me about it. And I don't even live there and I know this. John also asks, what's, <clears throat> and what's on your con wish list? For Neil Adams not to be a douche. Oh. <laughs> Charge $10 for a signature. What? But is it? He, he Yeah, that's what he was charging at New York Comic Con. 10 bucks a signature per item that you want signed. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's why I say that. Well, you know what, man? With no st- other. No excuses. No, with stuff like that, though, with all these people bringing in, like, slabbing, like, 30 books and asking people to sign them, I understand to a point why he does that, but for that, just for that guy, that guy, gal, or kid that has that one issue of Batman or that one comic they want him to sign, to me, I'm just like, just sign it, but, you know, everybody's got their own philosophies on that, but if somebody came up to me with 15 books and didn't say nothing, just wanted me to sign them, you're going to have to break off something. You're going to have to go give something to, like, uh, to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund or, you know, or there's a flat fee on the table for those type of people. But for one autograph, no, nah, man, that ain't nothing. Just, just No, it, it was egotistical because he was even charging people to take pictures with him. Really? $10. Are you serious? Yep. That's why I didn't go anywhere near him. Okay. But that's probably not what he means. That that is not what he means. <laughs> no. All right, well, I tell you what. Let me. Um, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and I'll answer it. Um, on my con wish list, I'm continuing to try to find issues of Who's Who. 
uh, the the original DC Who's Who Who's Who run, um, including the the larger sized ones that had like the binder and you had to put the bios in the in a binder. And this was like after the original Who's Who run. So I'm looking for original Who's Who and then second generation Who's Who comics. I'm also looking for the Rhodey run, the James Rhodes run of Iron Man that I used to have. I had it as a kid, and unfortunately, as all kids, we get stupid, and I no longer have them. I have a few issues that I've picked up as of late, but I would really like to get that back. I would like to get the John when John Byrne and uh, Joe Rubenstein or Rubenstein when they were doing Cap together, Captain America. I love to give those, get those issues back because that was some good stuff. Because I want to say Roger Stern was writing those too. I like the Zek era too. It wasn't that far behind, actually. No, no, no. The Zek, the Zek era is awesome. You know what? I would like some of those back. You know what I would really like back is my Captain America annual with Wolverine on the front cover, where he's trying to like slice Cap's uh, shield. I had Got like one. I had like two of those as a kid because I read the first one so much it fell apart. Mm-hmm. And I would like to have that back because that's honestly one of one of my favorite annuals. I got one signed. You bum. <laughs> Um, so yeah, those are some things. Oh no, no, I know what. Also, I'm looking for the Jack Kirby Black Panther trade paperbacks. I know they're out there; they're still in print somewhere. But I'm looking for those because what happened is is that I think Kirby did like issues one through sixteen, and then seventeen and eighteen were were seventeen and eighteen closed out the series. So when they did the trades, they just put every issue but the last two in there. So I have the last two issues, but I want the Kirby stuff. So yeah, so hmm. that, and not to mention old school Star Wars toys, some GI Joes, pretty much everything, pretty much. <laughs> just let's just, just say fuck it, just say everything. I would like to find the Sin City Library Editions, Volume One and Two, at a nice price. I would like to find an absolute uh, long Halloween. A lot of back issues to fill into my runs, various runs of various uh, of, of various collections I have. Just recently. I got the entire Teen Titan Spotlight. Remember that spinoff? It was like 22 issues. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I got that. A full run of that. A full run of 1980s Blue Beetle, Blue Devil, and Booster Gold. I would like that Blue Beetle run. Yeah, I caught that at, at the uh, New York Comic Con. But I usually like to look for like the bigger stuff, you know, because usually you could get these $100 books for 50% off. Mm-hmm. You know, or seventy-five dollar book because I I don't even think the first Sin City Library Edition is even in print. So basically, when I go to cons, I do I look for cheap back issues and cheap absolutes and um, omnibuy. So there you go. That um that big Secret Wars hardcover omnibus that Marvel was charging way too much for. Hundred dollars for twelve issues. No, they threw in some other comics though too. They did throw in some other comics, but still, it it, it couldn't justify that price tag. Well, the Secret Wars 2 omnibus, even though the story sucked, I think it included all the tie-ins. It, yeah, every single tie-in. So, I mean, like, you know, the, some of the tie-ins were really good. I remember the X-Men tie-in was good. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, that's pretty much the only one I really remember. I remember the X-Men tie-in, but, the, Spider, the Spider-Man tie-in that was two issues where you could combine the Web of Spider-Man cover and I want to say the spectacular Spider-Man cover. And on the, on the one side, he was in the red uniform. And as he's swinging across this building... It moves into the next com- the next comic cover, and he's turning into the Black Spider Man. I remember that like that was yesterday. Wow! Yeah, and there was also a Daredevil Man Without Fear crossover in Secret Wars Two. Let's see, there was a Power Man and Iron Fist. 
um, tie-in. Oh, that was towards the end of the run, too, I think, right? Sure, sure was. And I would like the crossovers, but they can keep that limited series. Yeah, but you got to figure in that omnibus, though. It's only, what, what was it? It was nine issues, right? I think it was a nine-issue limited yeah, series. Yeah, it definitely wasn't 12. So you got to figure, man, 80% of that damn book is just crossovers. Yo, no doubt. The reprints in, in the omnibus are Alpha Flight 28, Amazing Spider-Man 268, 273 through 74, Avengers 260, 261, 265, 266, uh, Cap 308, Cloak and Dagger, Daredevil, Dazzler, they also threw in a Deadpool team-up book from 1998. <laughs> um, the, the Defenders, I had that issue. Uh, oh, yeah. There was two, I think, wasn't there? No, just one. Uh, just and, one. and it was the final issue of, of the Defenders, issue 152. I, I think I got that one. Uh, Doctor Strange, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven issues of Fantastic Four, Hulk 312, Iron Man, New Mutants. Dude, there are, there are a slew of crossovers in this omnibus, and it still ain't worth $100. I'm sorry. I, you know what, man? If this was like, I can understand if this was $39.99. If it was $39.99, I, I, w- I would cop it just for the crossovers alone. But no, dude, I could not cop $100 for, for a Secret Wars 2 omnibus. I can, there's no way. Well, I'm just saying, though, it's more more book for, for, the, for the price than what the original one was because... Isn't the original one it's just the 12 issues and then it, it's the issues that led them going to Battle World? You know, if they gave you when they when they left and when they came back, mm-hmm. that would be pretty cool because then you have the Spider-Man, the black costume for the first time. Yeah. You know, that's not a cheap issue. No. Well, not as expensive as it was, but it's not, you know what I mean, as... Oh, okay. here we go. Here we go. For ninety nine ninety nine, ninety nine ninety nine, four hundred ninety six pages, as compared to the ninety nine ninety nine for Secret Wars two. Secret Wars two is still like one thousand one hundred sixty eight pages. The Secret Wars, yeah, the Secret Wars omnibus is only four hundred four hundred ninety six, which includes twelve issues of, C- of Secret Wars, mm-hmm. She Hulk number ten from the two thousand four run. Oh, that's where she joins the Fantastic Four, right? Or no? No, no, this is a She-Hulk number 10. This is from the uh, Dan Slott run. It, Dan Slott was writing back then? No, no, this is from 2004. Oh, 2004. Oh, I'm sorry. I, mis- I misheard you. Go yeah, ahead, because basically it has uh, Titan- uh, Titania's and Volcana's origin by the hands of Dr. Doom during Secret Wars. That's what that issue's about. It also has Thor 383 and two what-if issues. And they want ninety nine ninety nine for this. Yeah, see, they if they reprinted all that other stuff, like I said, that would have been a lot. Would have been worth it. Yeah, you know what made, would have made more sense if they just put Secret Wars and Secret Wars two together in one omnibus and charged a hundred dollars with all the crossovers. I, I, yeah, that's a lot. I know. Yes, the book would have weighed about forty five pounds. It would have killed. Dude, it would have killed small children. Next question. This question is from Ryan King. And Ryan King is also a fellow podcaster. He has an incredible Hulk podcast that he's on. He also does The Trip, Man of Many Talents. Oh, also, a proud papa once again. Congratulations to you, Ryan. Congratulations, sir. And your wonderful family. 
His question mm-hmm. is, what does DC need to do to return the JLA to prominence? He has three questions, actually. That's the, that is his first. What does DC need to do to return the JLA to prom- prominence? I don't know. See, I'm old school, man. When you're when you were reading those books in like the 80s and, you know, I'm talking about the early 80s, the original JLA series, it was never really a flagship book. It really wasn't. It wasn't until the Bwahaha era, it got really popular. Okay. And then when Giffen and DiMatteis and them left and it became a regular Justice League book, it was crap again. And people, people stopped buying it. Okay, and that's why it capped off at like 112 issues or 113 issues, something like that. Then Morrison comes back with JLA, and he did make it a flagship title. He kicked some ass. He went and he did it. Then he left the book, and it started going downhill again. I mean, sales-wise, okay? I thought there was some cool stuff in there. But it also ended at like 125 issues. It only it only went 10 issues or so past the Timoteus run. And now... This thing was doomed from the beginning. The the Brad Melcher story was okay. Duffy was just, they just, he couldn't use this person, couldn't use that person. We have to do crossover issues with this and that and the other thing. And that's what killed and killed it. And then they figured, well, we'll give it to, we'll give it to James Robinson. And James Robinson put together a really interesting team. Some things make sense. Some things don't. But so far, it's not really that great. Uh, it's not the worst I've read. It's not the best. It's far from the best, but you know what I would do? What? What's that, sir? I would give the JLA to Busick and Perez and see if they couldn't do with the JLA with the JLA what they did to the Avengers. Because you know, everybody says, oh, Bendis put the Avengers on the map. Bendis put the... You kiss my ass. Because before Bendis came, there was 50 issues that... Per, I think it was like 50 issues that Perez and, and Busick did together in that run. And they were awesome stories. And it, it was a well-selling book. Hey, I co-signed no, on that. I, I, I co-signed, yes. No, nothing against Bendis. I mean, he did he did take what they did and bring it to the forefront. I mean, I, I understand, you know. But uh, that's what I would do. What What would you do? To me, the way Justice League works, it's not about the people that are on the team. It's just how you write it. Mm-hmm. You you can have you can have like one of the jukiest teams on the face of the earth. It's all in the, it's honestly all in the writing. I put it to you like this: I remember an issue of Justice League when uh, when they let Grant Morrison have J- JLA, and this is before I truly knew who Grant Morrison was. Okay, I had no idea. I, I was like, who is this guy? I didn't know who this guy was in the ninety and ninety seven. No idea. So I get it. I'm like, oh, this is a really cool book. Yeah, they brought the big guns back. It, they brought the big guns back. And I understood. I understood why they did that. It made sense to me. But I remember getting an issue of Justice League. And on the front cover, and I got it. I didn't really look at it. But I, I just bought it without paying attention to it because it was on my pull list at the time. And it says something to the effect of, this is the new J- JLA. And on the front. Is like Steel, Huntress. I mean, I'm sorry, it was, yeah, it was issue five, Woman of Tomorrow. Okay, now I remember. And it says the new faces of the JLA, and it's Hitman, Electric Superman, <laughs> Tomorrow Woman, Artemis, Plastic Man, Steel, and Connor Hawk, Green Arrow. And when I first saw it, I was like, what in the world is this? Open up that book, loved it. Yep. Absolutely loved it. And, you know, and I was just like, you know what? Why am I, why am I even beefing about electric, uh, an electric Superman? I was like, you know what? 
just have fun with it. Loved it. And that right there proves that it's not about the it's not about the members of the book. It's about how it's written. Because just for, just for that quick moment, Hitman was in the comic. He's only in it for a moment. But just for that quick moment, he was in there. I I cared. You know, right, right. Morrison made Steel. You know, because like once again, fanboys complain the shit out of uh, complain to, sh- the, to shit about Steel. And Morrison made Steel the character he was always. You know, that he always was supposed to be. And he was like, he, and he was like that in, in in the comic that Louise Simonson and Christopher Priest did too. But nobody paid any attention to that. But Morrison took that and just ran with it. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, he he turned him into the Tony Stark of the of the JLA, if you want to use a better comparison. And in the event, um, in the eventing sense, like the man's a scientist, he knows what he's doing. Take him seriously, type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's really all in the writing, and and Morrison had a little. I'm sure he had a little bit of free reign to do what he want to do what he wanted to do because the man the man sold books. He still sells books. So with the Robinson run, it just doesn't appeal to me. And they have members on the team that I think are great. Yeah, and you know, I like the team. I really do. You know, they have members that I think are great, and I just don't care. So that's why I stopped buying it. I, I stopped buying it because the stories just didn't appeal to me. So I let it go. And and hopefully it can get better. But as far as to make it better, it's it's all in the writing. And I think what's going to help a book like JLA once these companies stop enforcing this whole we got this whole we got this like this miniseries coming out, and we need to make sure that this issue ties in with this, and, and this ties in with this, and this ties in with this. Once they get past that, right? I'm not saying that they have to do that with every series because they won't. There's no way possible. But I say with your team books, let that stuff ride. Let just let it ride and just tell team stories. Yep, because you know you think of back in the day with the original uh, JLA series, the Justice League of America series, the original one. All right, that never affected a Batman book, never affected a Green Lantern book, never affected a Flash book, never affected a Superman book, and never you know all those members. Nope. Exactly. Every once in a while they would show up in guest star, but it wasn't a crossover. They would show up and help them out, or, you know, like the Flash out, or they'd show up and help this one out, or they'd just make a cameo. And to me, when I was a kid, man, that that was like the shit right there. Like, you know, Flash just came and helped, you know, or Batman just showed up at Flash's house to help him figure out this puzzle or whatever. And then as soon as he did, he was gone. You know, he was like, call me if you need help, Barry. And then you never saw him again, you know, because Flash could handle his shit. And they don't do stuff like that anywhere. You know, continuity is good, but I always like better when you make your own continuity as a fan. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Or, like, remember when they used to say, well, like, you know, I, I just got back from this, and then and then they would say, as seen in blah, 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 issue this, blah, blah. You, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, I, oh, okay, I need to go peep that. Let me go get this comic. And that was it. Yep. It's just about the story. Tell the best story possible, and it doesn't. And it doesn't matter who's on the team. It doesn't. And sometimes, at the same time, dude, writers have bad runs. Sure. I, I, honestly, it happens to every writer. Every writer. Every yep. writer has a bad run. And maybe this Robinson run is just like a bad run for him. I think he's a really good writer, but I, I wasn't feeling it, so I just walked away. Well, I mean, for those, they, he basically said it, man. He's got two years worth of stories to tell with this team. So you can make your own mind up. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know? Yeah. All 
right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's move on to Ryan's next question. Okay. What are your three favorite Marvel stories? Well, Ryan, Ryan's bringing the heat. My three are as follows. One, it was an issue of the Fantastic Four back during the burn run called X-Factor. And it was actually a two-part it was a two-part story where basically some scrolls had invaded. But part one was okay, but part two was awesome because the story starts with Spider-Man in the beginning. And these scrolls and like Spider-Man swinging through New York and he sees like this tarp and he picks up this tarp and he notices that this like tarp is stretched out everywhere and it's warm. Come to find out it's Mr. Fantastic because he's had to live in daylight speed out of him uh, by some scrolls who are disguised as X-Men. And so it ends up being like Spidey and the Fantastic Four uh, battling against a bunch of scrolls who think that, you know, who, who try to come off as the X-Men. And the issue was called X-Factor. Love that. Once again, that was one of those books that, like, I read front to back. I read it so many times I had to go buy another one. Um, my second would have to be West Coast Avengers, uh, the West Coast Avengers limited series. Still love mm-hmm. it. I, I, you know, and I'll preach that until the day I drop. Graviton. Yeah, Graviton is cool, man. They just, um, they just, he's the big baddie, and he was the big baddie in the two-part Avengers cartoon that just happened. Oh, nice. Um, Spoiler alert, sorry. That's okay. Um, I would say my third would be that issue of the Incredible Hulk where they separated Bruce Banner. After they separated Bruce Banner from the Hulk, and the Hulk was just this mass of destruction and, and anger that Wonder Man, Submariner, Hercules, and Silver Centurion Iron Man had to go take him down. Once again, John Byrne, this was when John Byrne was the shit at Marvel and nobody could tell anybody anything else. This is before he left to do Superman at DC. And it was just an all-out battle. That was fantastic. Those are my three favorites. Three, probably, I can honestly say, my three favorite Marvel stories of all time. Wow. Oof. I'm going to have to say, seriously, because it helped me with a lot of history of the Marvel Universe, was really the first Secret Wars miniseries. I got to learn who a lot of characters I weren't reading were. Okay. More, more of their... Um, personalities and things of that uh that nature um so we'll go with secret wars uh, uh mutant massacre was awesome yeah yes it, yes it was yes yes i couldn't that was a, that was a nail but because i was reading that monthly and i was buying all that shit i was i even bought thor and i bought there was a daredevil crossover that no one knows about and i jumped on that one too and I was just like, what? <laughs> Anything that had me, I was all over that. Um, and then, um, ah, so many classic stories, dude. You know what story I liked and a lot of people kind of like, uh, but I thought it was cool. I, I don't know if it was one of my favorites, though. But I want to give a shout out to Operation Galactic Storm. <laughs> uh, was, was that the, the uh, crossover that had, it was just crossed over in all the annuals? No, that was uh, it was the Avengers and West Coast Avengers, and then it crossed over into Thor and Wonder Man, Iron Man, and Captain America, like one issue or two issues of pop. And that's when the Share, the Kree, and the Skrulls were fighting. Oh, okay, okay. And it went on forever. Like, the, there's two trades of those stories, man, and they're thick as shit. Oh, okay. And I think, I think those are going to go on the list, too. I might buy those, too. That's on the list now, Sean. See what you did? <laughs> that, that's my job, sir. See, I always get, I always get Galactic, Galactic Storm mixed up with that Marvel uh, Maximum Security miniseries slash storyline. 
that didn't happen. I'll have to go with Craven's last hunt. Okay. That was a great story too. But I mean, like, there's just so many, and I actually, I had that in in issues, and they got lost in one of my many moves. Um, I think it was from my parents' house to my my first house with my first wife, and I haven't I. And it killed, so I had to buy it again. I bought it again in hardcover without batting an eye. I saw it, and I was like, they released this in hardcover? Boom, got it. You know, so I'll go with that. Okay, that's cool. I thought you were going to say G.I. Joe issue 21. Oh, that's good, too. Oh, damn you. <laughs> yeah. um, his last question says, when do I get to come on the show? I know stuff, too. Come on on. I don't care. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out right, right now. No, no, you can't do that right now. We can't find him right now. He's he's he's, he's in his papahood mode, man. Got a new baby. Oh, that's right. Papahood mode. So, well, at least we know he'll be up when we call. Yes, 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 indeed. So we will work something out, Ryan. That's a promise. Yes, sir. All right. Now, we come to the section of the show where we still have questions, but all the questions come from Daryl Taylor. Let's so, do the ones on your page first, and then we'll do the ones on my page. Okay. How's well, that? Actually, the first one comes from Twitter. Oh. Uh, from Daryl. Oh, and good. the question is, why do I hate Michael Ironside so much? I don't... The- I, this is what I had. We had a conversation on Twitter, and then I said Michael Ironside was the death knell as to why Sequest got canceled. And I said Michael Ironside is normally the death knell to like a lot of movies or TV shows sometimes because... V. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, V. Yeah, there you go. And he also died in V, too. Um... Mm-hmm. And, and then, it still wasn't good enough. They still canceled the show. Yeah. But, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I like Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside is like one of those dudes, like, if there was ever a need for a villain, you should go call Michael Ironside. If you ever need that rugged street captain on your police force, you go get Michael Ironside. If you need that um, ex-Vietnam vet that has bad flashbacks, you need to go get Michael Ironside, okay? That's the dude. I like Michael Ironside. But... He had that rough patch between the next Karate Kid, Sequest, and Starship Troopers. I'm sorry. There's a rough patch there. And then Daryl got mad. So he asked me why I hate Michael Ironside. And I don't hate it, Michael Ironside. I like Michael Ironside. If, in fact, Stallone needs to put Michael Ironside in the Expendables, Expendables Part 2. Nope. No one will go see it. No, no, no. You make him one of the side villains. Is it possible for a movie to get canceled? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Moving on to the next question. Now, okay. this, this, this one is actually reasonable. Uh, he asks, uh, what flavor non-laters do we like? I'll go apple. Green apple. Watermelon. And then he asks, why do you make the guests on the show wear swimming goggles? Well, I got this. Okay. Um, out of all the people we asked on the show, you were the one dumb enough to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> next question. Mm-hmm. Daryl wants to know what color lightsaber do you use? I have the Windu purple lightsaber. Usually the blue, but uh, right now it's turning kind of red. Okay. <laughs> I'm giving into my hate, young Skywalker. Daryl then asks, "What member of the Centurions, Power Extreme, uh, would you be if you could?" I, I'm a I'm a long long time Centurions cartoon fan and toy fan. I would have to be Ace McCloud, even though I am afraid of heights. I would still get in that suit and fly because he was fly. So that is that is mine. I would be 
Frank Populous. There is no Frank Populous. You have to choose between Ace McCloud, Max Ray, and Jake Rockwell. Oh, I'm going with Jake Rockwell because that'd be a, a cool porn name. I knew you would say that. I, I have no idea who. who it, it, it's okay. Yeah. I, I will. I will get you hip to the Centurions. I, I vaguely hip. remember them. Yes, um, combination of man and man and machine power extreme. Yes, damn you, Mattel marketing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. His next question: Do you like gladiator movies? I liked uh, the movie Gladiator. No, this fool was watching Airplane. That's I know not, he was. I'm, I'm not answering that question. Hey, Billy, did you ever wonder what Sparks does when he rubs up and down your leg? <laughs> <laughs> you ever been in a Turkish prison? Oh. Okay. His next question, he asks me, is it true I, Is it true you wear a SWAT cat's mask when you, re, when you read comics? You know what, fool? Let me tell you something. <laughs> no. I used to have some SWAT cat's toys, though, but I don't ha- wear a mask. Do not put your little dirty pleasures that you do. Put your clothes back on right now. I know you listen to this podcast. You got your clothes off. Put your clothes back on. Don't look at us. Yes. <laughs> and we'll, and we'll, we'll call it even. Those are all the questions from Daryl on my side. Do you have any questions from Daryl on your side? I do, but for some reason my computer is locked up. Okay, well, hold on. I get so it. Give me, I'll give me a minute. I got them. I got my internets up right here. Internets. Let's see here. Oh, Daryl wants to know, why do you have a Lady Gaga ringtone? And I don't have a Lady Gaga ringtone. It's Kesha. <laughs> you shouldn't tell people that. But you know what? You man up, and you're proud. The only reason why you got it is because you and your wife don't know how to change it. That's right. It's true. She actually bought it for herself, and it went on my number, and she can't get rid of it. And I said, I said, fuck it. Leave it there. I don't care. <laughs> and, and then everybody gets saying, tick-tock, um, yep. Daryl also wants to know: Do you like to slow dance to Faith Hill songs? Maybe. Like, Is he asking me on a date? He's making me nervous. I, know. I don't like this. Security. <laughs> Daryl also wants to know if you like Skittles. I do, but not those chocolate ones. Aren't those nasty? I wouldn't even try them. They just look bad. No, I got a story behind. I got a story. I got a story behind that. Okay. One day I'm at the grocery store, going through the, the checkout, and I see M and M's. Okay. I was like, you know what? It's been a while since I had some M&M's. And I grab a bag. Like, you know, I grab like a little little bag of M&M's and I, and I pay for them. And they were like 39 cents. And so I was like, I don't remember M&M's being this cheap. They haven't expired. <laughs> they haven't expired, have they? So I, once again, I wasn't paying any attention. So I leave the grocery store. I'm like, oh, I got my M&M's. I'm happy. And I open them up. And before I open them up, I look at them like, Skittles chocolate? What the fuck is Skittles chocolate? And I'm like, well, this might be all right. Let me try it. Now, once again, in my mind, I'm still thinking M&M's. I've had Skittles before. And as we all know, we know how tough and rough Skittles can be and, and chewy. But I'm still thinking M&M's because, we, as we all know, the chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. I put, like, three Skittles in my mouth, and I bit into them. And it was some of the nastiest shit I'd ever tasted in my entire life, man. It was awful, and I made a vow to never eat Skittles ever again. How the hell are you going to make chocolate Skittles and make them try to taste like real? Dude, They t- imagine if you took a Tootsie Roll, put it in Skittles form, deep fried it, put a coating over it, deep fried it again, Ugh. and then put it in a bag. Nasty. They should be ashamed. Chocolate Skittles. 
awful. Chocolate Skittles. That made my stomach hurt. Oh, see, see that, see, Daryl, see what you done? I got, I got a stomach ache now because of you. That's those chocolate Teddy Grahams you've been eating. That's what that is. Hey, man, chocolate Teddy Grahams are good, especially if you get the chocolate. You take one chocolate Teddy Graham, one regular uh, uh, Teddy Graham, and one of those like uh, cinnamon uh, Teddy Grahams, and you just like put them all together. Oh, that's like heaven, heaven in one chomp. Daryl, his last question, he wants to know, have you ever had a sword fight in the springtime? <sighs> what, is, what does that even mean? I don't know. I don't know. What is, that, what is wrong with him? That is your friend. Okay, that is you introduced me to him. <laughs> that is your friend right there. And that concludes the uh, Q&A uh, via Facebook and Twitter. Uh, for the so help me, life. God, dear, you better not do a question and answer fucking Facebook slash Twitter. <laughs> so help me, God, you should you should never. I'm telling you right now, don't do it. <sighs> and to think the restraint I had at the New York Comic Con panel when he was up there and all the questions I could have asked him in the audience. And I didn't. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Thank you to all of you. So I yeah, see, I don't get the deep questions. I get shit like if you ever had a sword fight in the springtime. Because your friend wrote you that question. Your friend. That's your friend. That's your friend. <laughs> your friend first. Ladies yes, thanks. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for making uh, this possible. Um, we, and we appreciate it very much. I got. I want to tell you all about New York Comic Con, man. Now I went um, Friday and I went Sunday. I didn't go Saturday, and from what I hear, uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't. I heard because, it was crowded. Oh, it was, I heard it was insane. I set up a bunch of interviews for Sunday, man, because Sunday's always, you know, Sunday's always the deadest day of a con. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh my lord. I was just like, nah, I'll talk. Because, you know, I mean, all these artists are trying to draw. They got to get the panels. They got to do this. They got to do that. You know, go make your money, man. That's the way I looked at it. I was just, you know, I'll, I'll step out of your way. We'll catch up one day, you know. Right in the middle of the uh, of the convention, they had this big ass uh, for this new Wii game, a huge ass display. It's a Michael Dan- Jackson dance game. The Michael Jackson experience. You know, that's right. Wow. It was just, really? They had an entire stage set up so people could get up there and dance. And you know fools going to dance. You couldn't, get, and they put it right by the front entrance. So everybody was just tripping over everybody trying to get by. Greg, my co-host from Reality Wasted, realitywasted.lipson.com, he snapped a good picture, man. You, World Weekly News was there, and they got up, and they put this, <laughs> they were up there dancing, and they brought a kid dressed up like Bat Boy. So he got some pictures of Bat Boy dancing, but uh, I got to meet Larry Hama. I think I may have scared him, so I'm going to try him maybe at a smaller con. I get overzealous. You never know what kind of state of mind or mental or physical state a creator is in at these shows. You know, you hope that they're always, he or she, is always like at the top of their game and just excited. But sometimes, man, you know, those, you know, veterans just get worn down. So you just yeah, made, you, you just may have caught caught him at a bad time. I kind of pounced on his old ass first thing Friday morning. Hey man, you wanted to talk to him about Raptor and those genetically enhanced birds. Can you see how could I not have been excited? <laughs> I know, I know. You probably wanted to talk to him about Big Bo as well. 
no, I wanted to talk to Christos Gage about Big Boa, and I was trying to find him, and I couldn't find him. He was supposed to be uh, signing at the uh, Sega had a big display for the Captain America video game, and I kept going to that booth. We tried to get an interview with somebody who worked there, but it was just so loud that it didn't really work, you know? Like, you, it was there was just too much noise in the background. But, yeah, he was every time I checked there, man, I, I, I couldn't find him. So I got to talk to Mike Norton for a while, Jamal Igel, Julian, of course. Oh, nice. Now, did you record these interviews or? or no, just I just, this was just talk, talk. And uh, Norton drew me a, a Batgirl, classic Batgirl piece. And I'm jealous that you have that. And if I live next door to you, I will come to your house and take it. No, no, you will not. <laughs> it's beautiful, though. It is gorgeous, man. And really, his prices, you couldn't beat those with a stick for a full figure. Unbelievable. So I was talking to Mike, and I knew Tim Seeley was going to be there. I saw it on Twitter. And you know how I like Tim Seeley, all right? But I didn't know what he looked like, right? So... <laughs> I was just looking around, and he was going to be at the Cadence Hearts booth. That's where Mike was. And I'm looking around, and I don't see, you know, there's just Mike there. And then, of course, there was the art dealer. So I was, and I asked him, I said, Tim Seeley's supposed to be here, right? He went and did, he was doing something with Image or whatever. So he was, oh, he'll be back at 1.30. I said, okay. I came back to the booth, man. I was with Johnny M. And I just said to him, I was like, dude, I'm going to meet Tim Seeley right now. And I hustled across that entire floor, got back there. And like I said, I don't even know what he looks like. But there was a dude in Norton's chair. So I'm like, it's got to be him. And then he put out a sign that says, I am Tim Seeley. <laughs> <laughs> so I got out my, my hack slash number four of the new miniseries. He's signing it. And I got to talking to him, man. I was just asking him one question. Tell him I've been reading it since I really got back into comics. This was like the only independent I was buying for a while there. And, you know, I was on to it and I was asking him different questions about where it's going to go. And um, he signed my book and we were, you know, just talking. And then as we were talking, he goes like this. He goes, would you like a, a sketch on your on your backboard? What? And I was like, and I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, man, I'm just sitting here. I'm not doing nothing. There was nobody around him, man. I don't even think people knew he was there. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and he drew a nice uh, profile of Cassandra Hack on the on the. Uh, on a thing, and I'm going to try and get that in a frame with my Jerry Ordway Superman profile. Ah, very nice. On the back, you know, the backing I have that I got at the Connecticut Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, man. He was telling me about all this stuff and, and what he was doing. And Marvel's letting him actually draw and write that uh, Wasp and Ant Man mi mini. I think it's a three issue, and uh, he actually he he showed it to me, like um, like printed off the the computer. He 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 let me read like the second issue. And it was all like, uh, yeah, it was, dude, it was just sweet, man. And I, I did. I talked to him for like 20 minutes. Nicest guy, dude. And, and like I said, it's what I need. That turned the con around for me because, like I said, like Larry Hamas seemed grumpy. But, of course, <laughs> you know, I might have been coming at him. Rich Buckler I met who just signed my book and pretend I wasn't there. Uh, Bob Layton was there. I got him to sign my Hercules uh, mini from the 80s, the first issue. He was in a, a quite an in-depth conversation with the gentleman next to him. So he just kind of signed it and was like, you know, bye-bye. <laughs> you know, so it's like, all right, thank you. Uh, I, I met Seeley, man, and then that, right after that, it was all positive experience. Yeah, I got to meet a bunch of people, and like I said, never met Johnny M before. 
know, got to meet him. Daryl and I hung out for most of the day on Friday, and then me, Daryl, and Johnny and Greg actually hung out Friday and Sunday, so it was kind of cool. New York had actually a bigger artist alley than San Diego, from what I was told. Yeah, though that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I understand why San Diego does what it does. It still loves comics, but in their eyes, a way to promote the comics is to have all this Hollywood stuff, you know, come in and do its thing, and then there's still you know, hundreds of comics panels and stuff like that. Yes, am, am I sad that the Artist Alley area is smaller for a show that size? Yes, that's disappointing for me. But at the same time, I understand why they do what they do. doesn't mean I like it, though. Uh, usually, you know how in a, in a con, the, at Sunday is a good shopping day to lower all the prices and stuff? Yeah. Not here. <laughs> Not until like a half hour before that shit closed. All those dollar bins were still dollar bins. But I went, you know me, man. I, I got a lot of back issues, dude. I got a lot of Marvel team-up. I got a lot of Marvel 2-in-1, a lot of DC Comics Presents, some Spider-Man issues. I actually got this dude, man. He sold me. This was towards the end of the day on Sunday. He actually sold me Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 4 for $6. Really? Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's in decent shape, too. I mean, it's nowhere near in mint condition, but it's in real. It's in decent condition, man. Six bucks. What was on the cover? Oh, uh, Spider-Man versus the Human Torch. Ah, there. It I is. think I think it's called when Web Meets Flame or something like that. So that I might give that a quick read, and that might actually be a future <laughs> tales from the attic. Maybe, dude. There was some guy. He was selling was it American Vampire hardcovers. They just came out. He was selling them for fifty percent off. Damn. Yeah, I got that. I got a uh, the Proteus X-Men hardcover. Believe it or not, man, I didn't go too, too crazy like I usually do. I, I did not go too, too crazy because I did have to walk this shit back to the train station. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, man, it was there wasn't a lot of vendors like there was um, last year. Now, uh, did you get a lot of sketches or was the Tim Seeley sketch the only sketch that you got? Seeley and Norton, that was it okay. because I really didn't want I didn't want anything to happen to it you know what i mean like so that's the reason why i didn't but uh i thought about it i wanted uh julian to uh i want him to do a uh storm shadow versus snake eyes for me oh man if you'd have got that that'd have been the heat yeah i think i think that might be uh like i said i'm working on super show that might be the sketch for super show i'm gonna get that might be the one for for the wall but i met max brooks um, now, is Max Brooks the uh, gentleman that does World War Z or something like that? Yes. And I bought his, I, I bought a, <laughs> I bought a copy of, of the uh, graphic novel adaption of uh, Zombie Survival Guide. I met him, shook his hand, and told him it, the next time he talks to his father to tell him that I'm a huge fan of his and that uh, he was one of the reasons I became a stand-up comedian. Where then Mark Brooks looked at me as an insane person and said, I'll tell him, thanks, take it easy, Donnie. But in all fairness, I never read any of Max Brooks's material. Right. I did, I did want to try out the, uh, you know, ants. And I figured, what the hell, get him, get him to sign it. But I think me mentioning his dad kind of freaked him out a little bit. And we all know his father is Mel Brooks. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So, hmm. Yes. Hmm. 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 The Web in the Flame, that's what it's called. Okay. Sorry. Got excited. And this says, all new, king-size special, not a single reprint, 
So look at that. Marvel was actually <laughs> reprinting their annual stuff in their annuals way back when. Oh yeah, well that's what a lot of comic book companies uh, did uh, back, you know, back in the day. You know, they what they would do is they would have one new story and then they would put a bunch of reprints from previous stories because they figured an annual was a perfect jumping on point for a new reader to get familiar with a character. So, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Reprints reprints were norm, were the norm. So, yeah. So, I freaked out Larry Hama and Max Brooks pretty much in the same day, making a, making a name for myself. Then I got to go Friday night to the DC Nation panel starring Dan DiDio, <laughs> Jim Lee, Brian Q. Miller, Jeff Lemire, the new vice president. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Let me see. And uh, the you know the trade the trade the guy who's in charge in charge of the trades that always follows Dan to every panel. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember his name either. Talking oh, about boy. Bob Wayne. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm sitting there right, and it's just about to start, and the only seat I could get is behind this big ass pillar, dude. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, this is actually like listening to the goddamn DC Comics podcast because <sighs> anyway. And this girl comes. I mean, this girl is smoking. This girl is hot as hell. Hot as hell with her tight ass jeans and her high heels. Right? Okay. Wearing a Justice League t shirt. <laughs> Sitting next to me with my Justice League t shirt. And I'm just like, the whole time, man, they're talking. I ain't paying attention to shit because I'm just thinking to myself, this girl's way too hot to be in this room. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, man. This dude comes and gives her two cups of coffee. And I'm like, why is she drinking two cups of coffee? Jim Lee comes off the stage, man, looks at me, goes, excuse me, buddy, grabs a cup of coffee and runs back upstage. Man, I am sitting next to Jim Lee's assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She is hot as hell. Well, that's what happens when you're Jim Lee. You have that power. I guess so. Yes. He's a small motherfucker. (laughs) That is a small dude, man. Yeah, he's like five, 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 six, something like that. Yeah. Anyway. One more thing about the DC Nation panel, right? Okay, go ahead. Uh, They kind of sort of announced that Jeff Lemire may be doing an Adam series. Nice. Um, And the other, someone actually got up and asked. You know, they they do open floor, you know. One dude actually got up and asked, and you know what he said? What did he say? I'd like to know what's going on with the outsiders, please. <laughs> Dude. That was you, wasn't it? No, it was not. Cause I wanted I I was like, oh. I wanted to jump up there so much and just grab that microphone and be like, I'm gonna tell you what's going on there with the outsiders. This guy's gonna do a thing, and the other guy's with the bang zoom, and the other thing's gonna happen with the other guy, and bang, that's what's gonna happen there. <sighs> but I didn't. And Dan DiDio says, Well, I know the writer. And he goes, uh, and he's telling the same story over and over again, that it's a civil war between the outsiders, and it's all going to come to a head. Wait a minute, that that storyline still hasn't finished yet? Oh, no. I thought with the return of Bruce Wayne Outsider Special, because it was actually written by uh, Mike Barr. Okay. That's a a legend right there. Yeah, you know that's right. That Dan DiDio is going to be off the book, but no, no, no. Dan's going to be on this book for the foreseeable future. (laughs) <laughs> that that just that brings a smile to your face and warmness in your heart, doesn't it, sir? Dude, I just wanted to give him a hug because I was just going to be like, dude, you just love the Silver Age, don't you? Don't you lie to me. 
because you are just like you should you should write for Marvel because you just got everything connected to everything. I mean, dude, he the last issue of the Outsiders I read was a creep creeper issue, right? Right. And I liked it. He, he I'll tell you, I'll give him credit. He can write the creeper pretty damn good. But the creeper was in hell and he connected it to the Rain and Hell miniseries, dude. That was two fucking years ago. <laughs> Well, you have to give him respect for at least going back and talking about old old content. He's respecting the previous content, though. I understand. No, seriously, I do. I understand because think about it. With the number of times Outsiders has started and stopped, you know, why would anybody even think about a mini like Rain in Hell? You know, your silence, you know, tells tells it all. By, by the way, I'm just saying. Okay. Peter Tomasi was doing a great job on that book. Just throwing it out there. That's all I'm saying. I know, but hey, you know what? It was a good book. Every higher up, no matter what, you know, field, genre, media, medium, every higher up has that one project, that one thing that they have to have their hands in for a couple reasons. One, it's something that they love, and they want to share that love with you. Two... They're doing it because they want to prove that they can put in their weight, their weight worth of work on top of what they do as well and say, hey, look, see, I can do this, too. I feel for you because it's a comic. You love the outsiders. I understand that. I feel you. I've told you this before. You really just need to stop buying the book because the more you buy it, the more it entices DC and another outsiders readers from buying the book. And the more entices the deal to write more stories. And like let, I said, let me, I, I, let me, I don't know the man. I'm just, I'm just trying to explain something to you. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead. <laughs> let me tell you something, man. Okay? He's the co-publisher of DC Comics. It could be just me and the dude who asked the question at the panel, the only two people in the world <laughs> buying that book, and that shit's still going to come out every month. Yeah. No, no, no. I, and I understand that. He's got his right to do it, but just because he has his right doesn't mean that you have to buy it, man. You got, oh, to, but, you got to let it go. No. Yes. Dude, it's like crack. No, you know what, man? You know how many Chick fil A sandwiches you could get if you would stop buying uh, the Dio's Outsider Run? Well, it's two ninety nine a month, so. You, you're entitled to at least one sandwich a month. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it would cost me about, uh, I don't know, 100 bucks in gas just to drive there. No, to get man, it. You, just, you just send the money to me via PayPal, and I just put them on dry ice, and I just ship them up to you. Yeah, I don't think that's going to taste good. <laughs> No, it, no, reheated Chick-fil-A is not good. You got to eat it as soon as you get it. You got to have some Chick-fil-A in your life. Why am I talking about chicken so much? <laughs> I don't know, but you are not doing uh, well for the stereotype of your people. I know, man. I know. You don't hear me talking about pasta. <laughs> Cement shoes and shit. I, I know. I know. I'm just having, I'm, I'm having issues today, Donnie. I really am. But no, in all seriousness, you have to stop buying the book because I know it bothers you. Now, granted, it, it gives you proper material for something like Tales from the Attic, but I know it bothers you. I've had plenty of books like that growing up, too. And over the past three years, I finally realized if a book is whack, I put it back. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 went on my, uh, I went on my Johnny Cochran for a second. You sure did. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be on a T-shirt or something. Yeah, from, but I'm serious, though. I. I, I'm for real. I had to let it go. I I really didn't like a lot of books that I I love to read. I don't I don't read right now. Justice League of America. I don't read it right now. And I heard that the um, the little crossover they did with JSA was pretty good, but the issues that came before it. No, it wasn't. 
Oh, it wasn't? Oh, okay. No, that was the weakest one, dude. Okay. The weakest JLA-JSA crossover ever in the history of ever. All right. And I'm even talking about the one with uh, the Detroit League and Infinity Inc. going after Commander Steel was better. Don't you disgrace Detroit. <laughs> Don't you disgrace JLA Detroit. Don't you do it. Don't. Oh, I got the issue at the con where uh, where Steel gets killed and Vibe. Oh, you know I used to have those? I, I used to have those because, as I said before, it was because of the Legends I went to go by JLA. And then little did I know that's when they were doing the end of the JLA. And I remember reading the issue. was still, well, the front cover should explain to me that Steel was going to die. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, they don't kill people off. It's a comic book. You know, and I, even though I read Crisis and Supergirl died, but I forgot all about it. I'm like, they're not going to kill Steel. He's and Barry like, Allen. And Barry, yes, and Barry Allen, yes. I forgot all about that, you know. I wasn't really thinking about it. I was like, they're not going to kill Steel. He's vital to the JLA. Or Justice League of America. There wasn't, you know, he's vital. No, they killed him. <laughs> even took him off life. Then, like, somebody went and he was on life support, and somebody went and killed the life support. I'm like, really? Seriously? That's just harsh. I was mad. Now, when they killed Vibe, oh. it was a little different. I was 50-50 because Vibe used to work my nerves. He was annoying to me. You know, as a kid, he was extremely annoying. I'm a little older now, so I have a little bit of a better appreciation for the character. But they let Gypsy live. And they let Vixen live. Because they're great characters. Yeah, yes, they are. They are great characters. They're like the only thing out of that whole league that came out that was decent. Well, in Martian Manhunter, you know, but they're not going to go see now. Martian Manhunter is one of those iconic DC characters. I mean, people still, a lot of people still see him as less, but, you know, they're, you know, you know, it took a lot for DC to finally, you know, get rid of him, but now he's back. He is back. Yeah, that, that kind of just ticked me off. They came out with that awesome one shot, man, with him dying. Brought a tear to my eye. Batman dropped off the Oreo cookie. I forgot about that. It's like, oh. And then not even a not even a year later, oh, he's back. I just always thought of him as I mean, he was a good character, but I just didn't think he was all as popular as he was, you know. Martian Manhunter. Well see, well, yeah. well no, that's the way it works with a lot of comic book characters. Nobody says anything until the character dies. It's just like Ted when Ted Cord died. When Ted Cord died, or Blue Beetle died in um countdown to an infinite crisis everybody got pissed i'm like well where was the support when he had his own book and nobody bought it i got that whole run my favorite issue of the blue of the blue beetle run is the issue where the teen titans guest star and they fight a character called prometheus i think oh yeah from the um they're the hybrids they were created by a crazy ass steve dayton yeah, and I think the, the issue was called prometheus unbound or prometheus unleashed or something it's one of my uh-huh. favorite issues ever um but yeah nobody bought that book Wow, there's a callback. Good for you. Oh, well, thank you, sir. You know, sometimes the memory works at times when it wants to. But, and, you know, in Justice League, you know, he turned into a Bwahaha character for a while. And nobody really thought anything of him for the longest time. So they kill him off, and then everybody gets upset. Well, you know why? Because he died a hero. Yes. He, he, he was, like, that was, like, the one issue where you could say, wow. You know, like, he isn't a joke. You know what I mean? And then they turn around and blow his head off at the end. Yeah. That was an awesome oh shit moment, though. Yeah, because you didn't really see it coming. I mean, unless somebody told you about it ahead of time, you didn't. You definitely didn't see that coming. Like, oh, they're not going, oh. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That's when DC had them r- rolling, man. They had a lot of those oh shit moments that year, man. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff I think I still say they took too far. Um, oh, no, you know what? Let me rephrase that. A lot of that stuff was definitely meant for the older crowd. 
It wasn't. Yeah, meant, it, yeah, was, yeah, it wasn't yeah. meant for the all ages crowd. Which I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, which which kind of puts me in like a in like a real it puts me on the fence because like as an adult, I'm like, okay, I you know, it's cool you you did that and talked about that, but like the child the child side of me says, okay, yeah, my parents like let me read older th- older th- you know thematical comic books when um comic books that were for teens slash adults when I was a kid. But, but still, I never expected that to cross over into a regular mainstream book. You know what I mean? Yeah. So something of that nature. And if and if anybody's read Identity Crisis, you know what I'm talking about. Dude, I wanted. Oh, oh, I oh, that got up the oh. I wanted to whoop Brad Melter's ass. Yeah. After reading that book. Yeah, I'm like, see, and to me, that was taking it a little bit too far. See, and this is a whole thing that um. This is a whole thing that myself, uh, Chris Eliop and Chris Eliopoulos and John Carroll talked about during a recording, where the writers, you know, definitely old, you know, the writers, you know, back in the day, loved the comics of the Silver Age and stuff like that, and they're trying to bring that to, you know, to an adult crowd. Well, that's cool. Don't get me wrong, but if you don't have anything for today's kids, right? Then how are they going to read? You know, why would they want to read comics? So this goes back to like what uh, Darwin Cook said. Yeah, and with what Darwin quick Dar- Darwin and with what? Okay, here we go. And with what Darwin Cook said, the brown cow. The brown cow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> he brings a knife. You bring a gun. That's the Chicago way. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, I've never been good at um Sean Connery imitations. But anyway, sorry. I have a comedian friend that says nobody's good at Sean Connery impersonations. Yeah, pretty much. But go ahead. I'm sorry. In the Latin, Jehovah begins with an I. Um, but no. We, we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> you were named after the dog? <laughs> no, but no. What, what Darwin Cook said, I understand it came off in a, it came off in a bad way. Right, in, in right. In some aspects, but I understand where he's coming from. Well, I'm 50-50 on him. You know, I mean, I understand exactly what he's talking about, but that just, I don't know. There's nothing it, wrong with having content for adults, but like I said before, you got to have something for the previous generation, for like the younger generation, so eventually, you know, you always have that constant shift. Yeah, but you know what, though, dude? In, in a sense, like, I mean, I understand identity crisis definitely not for the kids, but I mean, there was stuff in comics when we were kids, man, and, and you know... When I read uh, uh, my first comic was New Teen Titans, dude, and I read that shit. And at the and, and the Titans fought the Terminator, Deathstroke. Yes. And at the end of it, Tara, who is 16 years old, is wearing whore makeup and she's naked in a bathrobe, drinking a, a snifter of brandy and smoking a cigarette, and she's talking to Deathstroke, who is a Vietnam vet. Okay. And he's in his drawers, and they're sitting there talking. So obviously they had some going on. You know what I mean? Right, but see, but you never saw it, though. Right. But, and and that's my point, because my eight-year-old ass, when I read, <laughs> when I read that book, <laughs> was not sitting there like, Deathstroke's a pedophile. No, he wasn't. He was saying, oh, shit, Tara's with the Titans. I can't, and she's hanging out with Deathstroke. She's going to try and kill them all. I can't re- wait to read next month. Right. See, that's the, you know what I mean? That's a difference where 
you know, you, you had those kind of adult things in there, but they were done in such a way. I can't. I can't sign on to that, dude. I can't. That, that's fine. That's all right. I'm not mad. You will not get the okay from me. It's all. Right. <laughs> it's okay. From the man who still reads Didio's Outsiders. That's uh, all right, man. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you, have you read it, dude? I read. You don't know. You don't know. No. You, you, yeah, you yes. I, I, went, I went to you the store. I, I went to the store and I bought that issue with Eradicator and the Cool Mo D shades. There you we, go. We talked about. And how about Markova's a safe ha- safe haven for Kryptonians? <laughs> I read that issue. I read it. I, I can't co-sign. That's all right. You don't have to. Dan Theodore don't need you, Sean Pryor. You'll <laughs> never work for DC. I think we had that coming a long time ago, sir. Take 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 that noise to Marvel. <laughs> maybe maybe Joe Q will let you screw up Spider-Man some more. <laughs> you still upset about Omid, ain't you? You know I am. Look, I'm going to tell you why, all right? I'm going to tell you why, all right? Okay. This just pissed me off, okay? And and, and, and if I understand if we have to end here, that's all right. But you're going to listen. <laughs> we have had, what, two years of good Spider-Man stories? Yes, you have. Okay? All right? And then we, which is, he comes out two years ago talking about, it's magic. We don't have to explain it. And then two years later, what's he doing? Taking four issues away from my perfect ass Spider-Man to explain it. What? I don't understand his problem with this fucking marriage. All right. He explained everything which didn't need to be explained. The audience that is reading Spider-Man don't care. We don't care anymore. Okay. All right. You know what you said? Oh, everything happened. That happened before. They just weren't married. Perfect. Fine. Did I need a four-issue arc? No. Oh, how come Peter Parker didn't make it to the fucking wedding? Oh, a fat guy fell on him. Kiss my ass. <laughs> oh, and this, that, and the other. Man. I'm t- <laughs> and, sir, and, sir, that is why I did not buy Omid. Man, dude. Like, I don't understand. Like, he turns around. He's like... They were together the whole time, but they weren't married. So, okay, let me get this straight. Everything that happened, which he showed and omit, everything happened. Peter showed himself during Civil War. They lived in the uh, Avengers Tower, okay? Aunt May gets shot. All that shit happened, right? Okay? Right, right. What the fuck does a piece of paper make a difference to? What what that's all it is. If they were together that long, marriage is just a piece of paper. They were living together, right? They had all these adventures. They were together for so many Joe Q hasn't heard of fucking common law marriage. I guess they don't have that where he's from, right? If you're with somebody for a certain amount of time, they could take half your shit. <laughs> Kiss my ass. You know what? I've never heard you this fired up in my entire life. And you I've heard you fired up. I have. Because it's unnecessary, Sean. I, okay? It's unnecessary. I make fun of the Dio, okay? Which he's he's lost his goddamn mind with that Outsiders book, and I can respect that. Right? <laughs> he's telling the story he wants to tell. It might not be good, but it's a story he wants to tell. Joe Q's just fucking with people. Every time he touches that Spider-Man book, man, people get in an uproar. Why don't, why don't he just leave it alone? It's a, it's a top seller for them. Just stop touching shit. Like I like I like I told you before, man. Sometimes people have to have their hands on things. Doesn't mean it. 
how can I say this? Once again, they want to have a sense of importance. They want to prove to you that not only can they run a company, but they can also partake and produce content that you will find exciting or entertaining. Or for some people, for, for some people in the, of that state, it's a vanity project. So, you know, they have the story that they want to tell and they have the power to tell it. So they're going to tell it. Now whether, now, now, whether you like it or not, that's another story. And, and by listening to your voice, I know you don't like it. So that's, that's how it works. When you got that power, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want to do. Look at it like this. Be thankful for the two years of Spidey stories that you got. The setup to get those two years of Spidey stories was a mess. The closing of the two years worth of Spidey stories was kind of a mess. And But now, out of that, you do get a Dan Slott Spider-Man. So, and Dan Slott's a great writer. He's one of my faves. Yep, I agree with that. So, you know, and they put Slot on they put Slot on a book they know won't be canceled. You know? And and he's been dying to write. Yeah, he's been dying to write. Yeah, and see, and like, and I'm not knocking Slot for his books getting canceled because first off, I love his She-Hulk run. It's one of my favorite comic book runs of all time. Dan Slot run was really good too. Yeah, short lived, man. I got that yeah. trade paperback thanks to Ryan King. I think that you will thoroughly enjoy the Slot, this new Slot Spider-Man run. It'll be good for you. Like I said before, man, this is why I'm trying my best to find that inner peace when it comes to comics now. And either I don't buy it if I feel suspect or I'll get it in a, in a, in a cheap bin. So then I don't feel gypped. That's just how it is. You know, and, and I feel better. All, and I'm saying I feel better. And some things I just let go, yo. I've been in that boat, stuck with them, stuck with books. That I thought, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. and just kept getting worse. And I kept getting more and more mad. I just I just dropped the book, man. Dropped it like Capitol Records dropped Hammer. Just drop it. Oh, I said it. Wow, you went there. Yes, I did. I used to like hanging out with MC Hammer, but he wouldn't let me touch anything. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs>
Superman has taken my hair because it is 1977 and that's the canon. Yes. Hey, man. But I don't care what anybody says. Somebody made a Superman movie. You put Luther in the purple jumpsuit with the green and the purple bullets on, 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 the, <laughs> on, on the front. I would go see that. I would. I would go see that. You know, because see, that's the part. That's how you knew Lex Luthor didn't have any friends because <laughs> they let him go outside dressed like that. That's exactly. how you knew that. You know, you know, you you th- you thought his a uh, homeboy. What was his homeboy's name? Oh, uh, in the Superman movie, Otis. Ned- yeah. <laughs> you, you you think Otis would have been like yo? Because they even they even put Otis in the Super Friends cartoon once. You would think Otis. Hey, okay, Mister Luthor. Yeah, and he talked like that on the cartoon, and I'm like, you would have think Otis would have said, "That's not a good look, sir." Just <laughs> one, just just one time. I don't think you should go out of the house looking like that, Mister Luthor. <laughs> exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> that I, mean, I don't care. But see, that's that's the big problem with Hollywood. Hollywood will not accept. It will not accept stuff like that because they want to add realism to comic books. That's why they're comic books because the shit ain't real. Okay. Now I know there's some things that don't translate, and yes, it's possibly true that a yellow spandex Wolverine would look awful. But who says it has to be spandex? My whole thing is is that as as of this recording. Um, Disney now has the rights to Avengers and Iron Iron Man three, so those won't be under Paramount. And they paid uh, basically. Well, they, yeah, they paid a lot of money. Yeah, and you know, you know, they wish they could probably do the same for all the stuff that a 20th Century Fox has a hold of, and all the and the stuff that Columbia has a hold of or Sony has. There's a there's a reason why when you read some mutant books, why certain characters aren't in those books. <laughs> No, I'm serious. The reason why they're not in those books is to keep them away from 20th Century Fox. Because, oh, really? Because 20th Century Fox gets rights to certain X, you know, certain X characters, or or if somebody shows up in like an X Men book or X Men series, that's under. It's kind of like underneath that underlying contract, saying that like you know that falls under this property. So that means we you know we have the rights to it. So that's why sometimes uh, certain characters get written out and get put somewhere else to uh, keep them away from uh, 20th Century Fox, and I really can't blame them. Um, you know, but right now, you know, it's pretty much all speculation. We hope that, you know, we would all hope that it's not the comic book movie to end all comic book movies. We thought that when Batman and Robin came out. That was just a quiet uh, swan song. Um, yeah. Well, we weren't really all too far off from that because you couldn't touch superhero stuff for a few years after that man no 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 you couldn't it had to go away for a while then blade made some dough and then it blew back up again mm-hmm. um you know and then that and, and, and these things happen but not saying that it's good not saying that it's bad you know you would wish that the industry would kind of learn a lesson and understand that you i just don't understand why can't the industry why can't the film industry not all the film industry because some of it does and some of it doesn't embrace the craziness of comic books when you make a fantasy film. You know how many crazy fantasy films, how many crazy movies have been out there with just some crazy stuff that even makes me shake my head? I'm like, that's stupid. But you know what? I still enjoyed it. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steel Box, Agents of Colt, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.
I hear you. You know, but um, but no, man. What's been going on with you? I mean, seriously, what's been going on with you? You've been the man of multimedia as of late, dude. I've been losing it. I've been having fun, but I've been losing it. I I just uh, did uh, three scripts for New Mutant for 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 his show, and Daryl got me going crazy. Uh, this dude called me up yesterday. And said, oh, yeah, they put all the Avengers webisodes on Disney DX. I want to, we're, we're actually recording right after this show. Okay, right? Right. And he goes, yeah, um, why don't you watch them so we could talk about it? <laughs> I said, okay. So I set my DVR, right? There was 20 of them, man. Yeah, they're like six minutes apiece. Yeah. 20 of them, man. Yeah. I still ain't done. <laughs> I tell you what, let, let, let me put it to you like this. I can tell you what happens at the end of each each of them. Screen goes black. Yeah, I know. And then it says Captain America was <laughs> Captain America was created by Joe Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. That's right. <laughs> and then everything else is like property of Marvel. But- nope, excuse me. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but yeah, that. So that's I, I'm on the last one. I was just finishing up the last one when you called i got like two minutes left and i'm like guy you know what but this shit's good though dude that could possibly i gotta be, admit man that could possibly be the best cartoon that marvel animation has ever had their hands in because the biggest problem i've always had with marvel with a lot of the marvel cartoons is that they're either always trying to find a niche audience or trying to appeal to somebody instead of just making the best cartoon possible like there are things I like about Iron Man Armored Adventures, but I, you know, I don't know whether they decided to make that cartoon that way so they could say, "Hey, you know, hey kids, look, you can be Iron Man too." I'm like, that that's cool. Don't get me wrong, but that automatically takes me out. Now I've watched some of them. The animation is nice. It's fantastic. Some of the stories are cool, but to me, it's kind of like Smallville with Iron Man because you know. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's how that's how it comes off to me. Like I said, it's not bad, but it's not my thing. But that's okay. But like this Avengers cartoon, it's like they just do everything in there. It's like, well, we got some stuff from the Ultimate Universe. Here's some stuff from the regular Marvel Universe. Here's just here's some, some sh- yeah, here's some shit we just made up. Yes. <laughs> this is some shit I was thinking about when I was taking a shit this morning. Hey man, but it, it all works though. It does. It, it all it does. works, and I think, and I honestly think this might be the best cartoon that Marvel's put together. And I'm talking about since like the the early '80s. When they used to work in conjunction with Sunbow Animation, um, like I, you know, the thing I like most about it is is that all the characters are very defined. They all have their own voices. Um, they all stand out. And in those twenty, and in those twenty-six minute shorts, you know who's who. Oh yeah, and I, I like the villains they're bringing out, man. The fucking Wrecking Crew, Absorbing Man, fucking Red Skull. When they uh, when they brought out Baron Von Strucker, I was just about to say that man. Yep, I was like in the Grim Reaper. Yeah, now see, as soon as um, as soon as like he did, he was detected in the little scanning thing, I was like they are not about. To, and then like you saw like the uh, the sheath, I was like oh, they did not bring out the Grim Reaper. And then you you know you found out how Nick Fury got you know white hair and 
Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's cool. See, and I'll see. I also like this amalgamation between Ultimate, Ultimate Universe Nick Fury and regular Marvel Universe Nick Fury. I mean, there's still those peers that are upset that Nick Fury's black. But I'm like, look, you read a regular Marvel comic, it's still a white dude. So it's okay. Just let us have this. Okay, please? Just let us have this. How many black superheroes do you know besides Blade on TV and in movies and in cartoons? And it, and it, and it wasn't the black dude. It wasn't the Black Power Ranger or the Blue Power Ranger. So Black Panther. It, he's in the Avengers, sir. That, so I, I'm just saying. Black Panther had his own cartoon on BET. It, dude, that never made it in the United States. And it, you, and if and, if, and calling that a cartoon is a travesty. That was nothing but comic book steals that they tried to turn into a motion comic. I know it was sad. It was very sad. It was, it was the only. It was the only one I had. Okay. I threw. I threw it out in the wind, man. I tried to make you know. I no no no. You know, you was trying to get. You was trying to get your McNeil Air News Hour. You know, bit <laughs> with me. And, and and I understand that. I, I feel you. But um, <laughs> Wait, knock got, knock. <laughs> who's knock there? knock. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I needed that. Yeah, I am. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've been hooked on Chick Fil A lately. I can't help it. I never um, had one. They don't have them out this way. You know what you need to do right now, Donnie? I need you to get a plane ticket. <laughs> and, I need, and I need you to fly. You actually could go to a couple of states, but you know, why don't you just come on down to Lexington, and I will take you to Chick Fil A twice, and you will get a great, tasty chicken sandwich, a nice large order of waffle fries, and a tall, cool glass of lemonade, and you will be content. Lemonade, that cool, refreshing drink. <laughs> exactly, because Chick Fil A is that good. No, Chick-fil-A does not sponsor the PKD Black Box. That would never happen. Yet. <laughs> no, sir. I don't think that would happen. <laughs> but, um, we just got Sonic. What? Yeah, we just got a Sonic, and you can't get near it. Oh, oh, y'all got a Sonic restaurant. I'm about to say, nothing's on. Got Sonic as a sponsor? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm sorry, man. Look. I had a long day at work. I understand. I, I, I'm, you know, I don't know what's going on either. Okay, cool. I just ate some nachos and, and, and some nachos and salsa, so I'm feeling a little bit happy right now. I so. haven't even eaten dinner yet. Mm-hmm. I've been up since 8 in the morning. I'm on vacation. I'm up at 8 in the morning. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I don't know, man. So, okay, y'all got a, okay, so y'all got a Sonic. Now, I'm going to tell you how Sonic's going to go. The first four months, that's going to be some of the tastiest fast food you've ever had. And then it turns into Walmart. Well, I just send you the Chick Fil A because the chicken has a lot of protein. Yeah. <laughs> and then you know, there's no fat on this chicken. It's lean, and the and the bread and the breading tastes good. And it's not that kind of breading that sticks to your ribs. And not only that, look, you get a Chick Fil A sandwich. You don't even have to get a Chick Fil A sandwich. I'm just gonna get you some strips or some nuggets. Or we just get you the sandwich. You just take the bread off and just like grab it and just eat it with your hands. Arr! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's happening? I What's going know. on here? <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. 
I digress. Uh, I digress. This is what happens when I don't talk to you for an extended period of time, man. 